Arsenal legend Paul Merson, John O'Shea and Wes Brown are coming to Dublin. It's an exclusive off-air event, so if you want to be there, get on to offtheball.com forward slash events. Just Eat, the official food delivery partner of the UEFA Champions League. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. Uh, it is uh, six minutes to eight. Jasmine Baba, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for being so patient. <laughs> no, I enjoyed the conversation about long hair. I've been growing mine myself, so <laughs> that, trump- I know how Harlan feels. <laughs> you trump us in that regard, Jasmine. There is, uh, there's no doubt about it. Um, let's get into the football. We will come to uh, the City Arsenal game. Obviously, it being one of the defining games of the season in just a couple of moments' time. But first of all, in the action last night, we've been debating here about um, was the second half collapse actually a collapse or were Tottenham that good is it a trend from United what are your um, takeaways from the game I think Tottenham were a lot more confident in attack throughout um, both halves compared to what they had been under Stellini and the latter under Conte just the latter stage and I don't think they were too terrible in the first half. So I don't think it was a complete com- collapse. I think Tottenham's defence was just a little bit blindsided in that um, first few, first quarter. Um, they still look a little bit dodgy on attack, but every, even in the second half after they scored, Man United could cut through them quite easily. But I, don't think it's a complete attack. I think that would be quite unfair on Tottenham. And I can't believe as an Arsenal fan, I'm saying that as well. Um, they looked a lot more like themselves. And um, the chances that they made and took were very good. They knew to attack Man United's far post. And that's how they got their chances and their goals, ultimately. I do think some of Ten Hag's in-game management was weak. Um, I think they took a lot of the directness and what they were so good at in the first half off and didn't have anyone to really replicate that. So it was very easy to get overrun by Tottenham, who just seemed to progress as, as long as the game went on. They just kept on finding this new stamina, this new energy, whereas Man United really just kind of took their foot off the brake by the end of it. Mm. Like, it does appear as if the top four is pretty much signed and sealed at this stage, barring any great sort of disasters um, for those that are in there. And, like, the narrative around United this season, Jasmine, has been pretty much that they're making progress, there's still a bit of work to do. Like, it feels almost at this stage it's about just getting to the end of the season for, and I know you mentioned, obviously, maybe there, maybe your point about Ten Hag's in-game management is a is a major red flag that we only get to see next season when he has made a couple of additions uh, to the squad. But it feels at the minute as if it is just about getting to the end of the season, make some additions, and and start afresh again next year. Yeah, I guess it's how you want to take it. How they they manage that game against Sevilla, um, and if the picking some of the personnel was the right idea, or should they have gone further? I mean, they still have a chance to win silverware this season and that that plus Champions League would be a very good season and one of the better seasons that they've had in recent years. Um, I guess it is based on some of the former signings that he has to now deal with. Um, he had gotten a lot out of Fred. Um, he's getting a lot more out of Sancho more than other managers have. Um, it's just things like the 
about their core signing. Who are you going to get in up front instead of that? Who are you going to have as a backup pivot? Who are you going to have as a backup centre-back? Which I think seems to be the main flaws of this Man United side, looking for the kind of general round of quality. I mean, we there can be debates all day on how Harry Maguire performs, what is Harry Maguire, but um, at the end, it boils down to... He he and other players make a few too many mistakes to be a Man United player. Um, so fixing that, even though we know how much money Man United has spent in general and they should be challenging for the title based on those kind of amounts, um, it does need to be reworked and it does need a complete new kind of structure and something that feeds into Ten Hag's way of playing football and matching that across the whole squad and not just parts, which I think is the problem that we've got with him right now. Yeah, what is Harry Maguire? I feel like that's more of a philosophical question almost. <laughs> the um, the other one is, is what is Anthony Martial, Jasmine? Because he, he gets half an hour last night, he's anonymous once again. The Vought Veghorst project is over, as you say. United do need, we, knew, we know United need a striker, but on Martial in particular, are we seeing now that he's just not good enough to be a Manchester United player anymore? Yeah, I think it's been so up and down for him that it's just not working. And I think if you've got someone who needs a lot more consistency, especially under Ten Hag football, which is more, you need to be good with the ball. You need to have those kind of solutions in possession and know how to pass, how to lay off and be quick in that circumstances so Ten Hag's philosophy is quick possession um, not so much quick in counter-attacks but just being very flexible very dominant and almost blowing your opponent away in that way and I think that's the things that he lacks and that's why I don't think it will really fit for him at Man United anymore even though he was so good before um, it's just that level of consistency and I think he just needs to start afresh and anew somewhere else. Go on, Chairman, are you going to... I was just going to say that um, in-game management that you mentioned from Ten Hag, like, is that Ten Hag's fault or is that just a, only serves to highlight almost the, the lack of squad depth? I think it's a bit of both. Um, I don't... I didn't really see the point of taking off... Jaden Sancho, who had been a lot better or one of the better players last night. Um, and Juan Bissaka, who, even though it's not completely his fault, he was, I felt like he gave a lot more defensively. And even though Spurs were making a little bit of headway into the final third, I think some of those, it, it felt like some of those changes were, were based more on, oh, we need fresh legs rather than actually um, defensively, tactically, those players that he took off were probably better fit in to deal with Tottenham's like ever-growing energy. Um, so I think it's a bit of both. I think he probably did need to make changes, but those changes are down to how the squad development has become and how in certain areas has lacked because they could have scored another few goals but they have a problem in their forwards where sometimes they don't get the most clinical 
out of in clinical forward that they have. So if you want to take off someone like Rashford, if you want to take someone off like Sancho, who else do you have in that team? Um, even, yeah, that, that's the kind of problem that they face. There's no one to really hold up the ball for them anymore and go on to score. It, it just, it's so mis, unbalanced. Unbalanced is a good word. It just, they don't know. They have that first plan of action. And if they start to feel the tide change, they don't really have the players to back that up in the second half as substitutions as they're starting 11. We're still obviously trying to make sense also of the game from the previous night. Um, the temptation of, of wanting to say, like, it felt like a combination of Arsenal's slide and um, City's ruthlessness to a degree. But, I mean, I think the overriding takeaway, really, at the end of it when the dust has settled, is that there isn't really a team in the Premier League at the minute who can lay a glove on City. Do you go with that? Yeah, <laughs> domestically, it is so hard to challenge Man City. Um, I feel like some of the kind of narratives around Arsenal of it being a failure because they dropped from so many points ahead now to what will probably lose the title. Um, I don't really agree with that narrative. It was never Arsenal's to compete with Manchester City in the first place. Um, I don't think anyone can compete with this Man City side. Um, there are things Man City forces other teams to do tactically that takes years of understanding, years of building. And Man City have the luxury of putting so much um, into their infrastructure, their team um, transfers, wages, coaching, everything that other clubs can't really dominate with. And then on top, they have arguably the best manager in the world. So if we look at the last match against Arsenal and Man City in February, um, Man City were closer, even though they won 3-1, they were closer to losing that game. Um, the silver at left back that got kind of, was very vulnerable to Arsenal's attack, especially Saka, who ran circles around him. They changed their formation from what has been a three box three, especially against the Bayern match as well, which is what I thought they were going to go with to more of a four, two, one, three. And, um, they realized that Arsenal's 10, in this case, Martin Odegaard couldn't cover two, um, pivot players. So they played with two sixes instead of two eights. De Bruyne says that himself with what Pep Guardiola said. Um, so they went with Gundogan and Rodri instead of De Bruyne and Gundogan. So our Martin Erdegaard couldn't cover these two pivot players, couldn't break through them. So Arsenal's tactic was to push up another one of their sixes, which was normally Xhaka. And um, whoever basically, if it was Xhaka or if it was Thomas Pighton who pushed up, basically De Bruyne would then come on that player's back, so move towards him and then take over the space behind him. Mm. Um, people need to understand as well that Arsenal was one of the better build-up teams, building up from the back, possessional play um, in the league. and But City's press and counter-press especially is so dominant 
that they disrupted Arsenal's build-up. And so as soon as they got the ball and De Bruyne is in that space from the pivot player who's who's pushed up forward to help in attack, as soon as they win the ball back, that ball is going into the space and is going to run through Arsenal. And we saw that time after time after again. And you were saying how Haaland runs straight. And that is something he's so good at and something we haven't really seen in the Premier League because Man City used him a little, uses him a little bit differently comparatively to Dortmund, who used him in that kind of more counter-attacking, very dynamic run and shoot way. But this time he got, got to run and um, also De Bruyne to run. And it was just that space in between Arsenal that they created themselves to just run through. Um, Arsenal, uh, City, sorry, just realized that they can also just play over that one long ball over into the space that De Bruyne or Haaland found themselves into because of the lack of the pivot player and run. Um, and these aren't easy things to fix. I'm saying it as if, oh, Arsenal just needed to make sure their pivot player was there. No, because if you choose to go that way and sit back and defend and have more players behind the ball, City have an amazing short pass game, which is also going to tear you to shreds. There is no way to um, actively be like, this is an easy fix to play against one of the tactically best teams in the world because you're always going to fail in one thing. Mm. Now I've said this and they'll probably lose to Real Madrid in the Champions League because if, if anyone doesn't care about this stuff, it's going to be Carlo Ancelotti and he'll he'll rip it all to shreds. But um, yeah, those are the kind of strengths that you you need to fear when you face City. And that's why, especially domestically, they are so dominant. Um, It's so many things. Madrid aren't as um, naive, possibly, as Arsenal is the other point. And I was reading uh, Michael Cox on on the point that you were making. I was reading Michael Cox in The Athletic and he was pointing out that one of Arsenal's tactics was to be happy to let Ruben Diaz have the ball. And so identifying that he's the weakest technically and that they would stand back and stand off him and uh, try to avoid that position where they were where they were exposing their own press but that unfortunately in the heat of battle too often that they um, didn't stick to the tactic and and um, stood up a little close to him and then allowed him to play uh, play past the arsenal press and suddenly um um you know allow de bruyne or gundogan take possession and suddenly arsenal uh, city are very much on the front foot um, you were certainly shaking your head over the first part of that comment, which might suggest that you're not uh, you're not as far down that track as Michael Cox. I I, I don't agree with that. They're happy to let so and so have the ball. No one's happy to just do this thing. It, it's it's not happiness to just let your opponents walk all over you. This is really, really high stakes, really, really intricate tactical play. Um, The only kind of criticisms I have of Arsenal is just that it's something completely different to that. And even if Arsenal had all of the weapons to take on Man City, we could be still discussing the same result because that's how good City are. Um... Arsenal can't overplay. So Arsenal in build-up, they could have a lot of possession and they got to a certain point where, you know, 
City's press is so good, blocks off the passing lanes, and all of a sudden Arsenal, they inter Man City interject Arsenal, and then as we said, play the ball into that space where Gundogan, De Bruyne, Haaland is, and break. But the fact that it even gets to that point is so intricate and it's not just like, oh, Arsenal lose the ball too easily. It's City is so energetic in breaking Arsenal's build-up play and having the um, kind of patterns to do so and being the best team in the world. This is a team that just beat Man City and look, even though the scorelines made it look like City was far dominant, Bayern put up one of the strongest shots up to Man City this season and they just blew them away. And it's just, it's just so many things. I don't think people actually realize how, how phenomenal this team really is. Um, and Arsenal's goal was never to win the title. It was always to be Champions League. So their squad structure isn't as good as City's. Um, there's still things that they lack that City have. So, Arsenal don't have the structure to win the second balls like City did. They don't have anyone with aerial presence to go a second way, like a second plan B. Um, so all of those things have, and that's why I just disagree with they were happy to give Ruben Diaz the ball. To, to, to be fair, that. to be fair, Jasmine, they were my words, not his. So I thought <laughs> Michael Cox is quite probably be in touch with us later on to say hang on that wasn't exa- he, he, I'm not sure they were happy but they felt that he was the least uh, worst option of, of all of them can I ask you a bit about Pep as well just before we leave that yeah. topic Jasmine because I know Shane wants to talk about Frank Lampard as well and we'll do that before we wrap but um, <laughs> with Pep he very much he was crouched down obviously on the on the touchline it looked like he was very much having himself I think is the uh, football expression that is used these days very pleased with his efforts they're obviously scoring lots of goals uh, they're not conceding looks like the Premier League is probably going to be looked after we mentioned Madrid is it more the same uh, for the run-in is it more the same for that game or are we going to see more tinkering from Guardiola Oh, we all know Guardiola loves a good tinkering in the Champions League. So I mean, I don't know what goes on in that man's head. So we, I, I would probably say he goes back to the three box three formation, um, like he's used to this season. I think this four two one three was specifically for the way Arsenal plays, and especially because Arsenal took advantage of the three box three, even though Man City won three one. I think they wanted to be more dominant. Um, Pep Guardiola always works on wanting to be the most dominant person out there. Mm. He is, I would say, I don't know if he would think this was true. I, he's never going to listen to this anyway, so it's fine. I think he is a perfectionist. I think he wants to be the most dominant, and we saw that so many times under Bayern Munich, even though he didn't get as far as he wanted in the Champions League. And I think that is where he probably found most of his uh, downfall. I still think he goes back to the three box three because it worked so well against City and um, oh, not City, sorry, Bayern. Um, and I, I'm guessing that's what he will go with. I don't think he will. I think hopefully he's learned from the other Champions League tournaments and won't go something new, something different because the three box three has been working so well for him. Um, and obviously Real Madrid play differently to Arsenal. So I don't see him going with that tactic again 
to break Arsenal's build up. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, Man City have Haaland on top of that. So yeah, I, I don't think he'll tinker too much. He doesn't have to for once. Uh, we're bang out of time, Jasmine, but uh, as Adrian mentioned, Frank Lampard is worth a quick discussion because, um, I mean, I don't, I don't think that the project and Frank Lampard taking over from Graham Potter has has quite gone to Todd Bowley's plan just yet. What are your thoughts on, on what's happening at Chelsea? Oh, um, they should have never sacked Tuchel. I think we all know that. Um, I don't know how that club's being run. I don't know what their project is. I don't know what they want to do. Um, I find their squad management and who they bought is completely uh, outrageous and bizarre because you have an unbalanced squad. You have a coach who's not good at finding personal roles um, and basically no tactical structures to his coaching. We, I've talked to the, on this about this on the show before when he was uh, when Lampard was coaching Everton and. It will take a very strong plan, a very dedicated manager to get them out of the mess that they're in right now. And I mean, they're still mathematically can go down, I think. So, um, yeah, it's very, very bizarre what's going on there. Jasmine, thanks a lot. Thank you so much. OCB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now.